0: Part three of our series called "Worthy, Worthy," and I've so enjoyed this series. The first week, week we talked about the question, "Why is He worthy?" Because before, you know, I think before you even engage in worship, you know, you got to figure out why am I doing this. And so we, you can catch up online with that one. And then last week we talked about how we need to understand what the presence of God is like. Because if you come, you know, to God with a a misunderstanding of the presence of God, after a while, you know, things can get a little bit wonky. And don't you love that word? It's just fun to say. And so so it's important to understand, on the basis of scripture, what the presence of God is like. And then today, we're gonna take it a step further, and we're going to, to ask ourselves the question, what pleases God? What pleases God? The theme verse for this series is Romans 12, 1. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy. Underline those two words. If you want to grab your paper notes or grab your app and, and open up the notes in there, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the way to truly, this is truly the way to worship him. And so we see some, some, some verbs there. You know, give my body. We, 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 we see that it's supposed to be a living and a holy sacrifice. We talked last week about the new, the new way to worship, you know, the New Testament way to worship that was made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. And then we see here in, the, in our theme verse, it talks about that we're supposed to be a living and holy sacrifice. And so these two things, you know, combined, it kind of leads me to the question, it begs the question, what pleases God? What does a living sacrifice look like? And if it's a living sacrifice, you know, because we talked about last week in the Old Testament, there was an old way where they would sacrifice animals and they would give gifts to God and, 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 you, and there was a, a right way to do it so that it would be a pleasing sacrifice to him. But here in the new way, hey, we're supposed to be a living sacrifice sacrifice. And so what does that mean? If it's a living sacrifice, then it probably has to do with how I live my life. Right? How I live my life. Because we know that God doesn't want dead or lifeless religion. He wants a living sacrifice. And so, to me, that leads us to this question, what pleases God? Asking yourself this question, really flips many of our versions of worship on its head. Why? Because it makes it way more about Him than it, does, than it is about us. It really has nothing to do with our preference or our wants or our desires. If I'm asking myself what pleases Him, and if, if I'm a living sacrifice being presented to Him as an offering, then it's really all about what pleases Him. <clears throat> now, just to be clear today, we're not talking about salvation. You aren't saved because you please God. You're not. You're not saved. Guess what? Because we would all be a lost cause if that was the case. What does the Bible say? He says you can't earn it. You just accept it. Salvation. It says you're saved you know, by grace through faith, it's not of yourself, and so no one can boast. Can you imagine if it was based on on how we please God? Then it'd be like one hu- huge, uh, you know, one upper competition, and it'd be like, well, how did you please God? Well, let me tell you about how I pleased God, right? Let me tell you about how I got on His good graces. But it doesn't work like that. That's not what it's about. You know, so we're not talking about salvation. We're not, you know, trying to outdo each other within how well we please God. That's not the heart of this at all. Think about it like this. No matter how much I love my kids, and I love them a lot, they are knuckleheads. They do stupid stuff, but I love them to death, right? Thank God they love Jesus. Thank God they have a passion for his word. But they're still kids, and they make mistakes. And guess what? Even though I love them so much, not everything that they do pleases me. Does that change my love for them? No. I still love them to death. I'll I'll love them no matter what. Um, My love for them is unconditional. But not everything they do pleases me. But that doesn't change my love for them. And so... You're striving to please God, and when we ask ourselves this question, what pleases Him? You know, it's, it, it's founded in, in this is what you were made to do. You're simply fulfilling your purpose. You were created to please God. It's not what saves you, but it's what you were created to do. You were created to give Him pleasure. You were created to give him honor, to give him glory. That's why I love that last song we sing so much because it's just saying glory, honor, power, it's all for you. And when we sing that, we're literally singing our purpose. It's why you're here. We get so caught up in so many things, power, prestige, pleasure, you know, accumulating stuff, reputation, all this stuff, we get caught up and we forget that no, our number one goal in life is to please God. So how do we do it? How do we do it? And this is where it really gets real. Back in 1992, uh, a guy named Gary Chapman wrote a famous book. It sold millions of copies called The Five Love Languages. How many of you have read or heard of The Five Love Languages, right? If you haven't and, and you're married or not married, you're thinking about getting married, you might be married someday. And I would highly encourage you to read this book. It's a great book. But basically the premise of the book is that there's five languages of love that people you know, kind of give and receive love with. And so the first one is words of affirmation. You know, if, if you're somebody that, that you, 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 that's really your love language, and somebody affirms you and they encourage you and they build you up with their words, like that really means a lot to you. Do you get my drift? There's another love language called quality time. You know, that's what you really want. You want somebody to just spend time with you and to be with you. Another one is receiving gifts. How many of you are like, come on, give me something. What, what you got for me? What's in the box? Let me unwrap it, right? And so and that, that could be yours, that, that you want those special people in your life to buy you stuff or to give you stuff. Maybe it's extra special when they make it themselves. Another gift uh, love language is acts of service. And, and then the last one is physical touch. Now, everybody might, you know, respond to multiple of these. There might be one main one and some minor ones. But, you know, it's important to kind of know, especially as you as you uh, operate in a marriage relationship to to know how, you know, you prefer to receive love and how your spouse, you know, prefers to be loved. And also, you know, you're going to have a default way that you like to give love. And then you're gonna, your, your, your spouse is gonna have that. And so it's, it's important to have these conversations. But over the years as a pastor, I've seen two responses to this. Because really, I mean, this, this question, what pleases God? It's important to know what pleases Him, right? And so that, that's kind of where I'm going with this five love languages talk. But I've seen two responses that people give to the whole topic of five love languages over the year years. And the first one is pretty selfish. It's, it's like, ooh, yeah, love me like that. That's what I want. Or spouses will use it as a club and they'll say, see, you're doing it wrong. You've been doing it wrong for 20 years. I told you so, right? And they go all historical on each other and it's like, you're not loving me right, right? And that, that doesn't end well either. And then there's the selfless way to receive this kind of like thought. And it's like, oh, wow. I had no idea. Now I know how to love you better, right? And this kind of thought, this either selfish or selfless response really gets mirrored in our worship because we, we either come to God and we're like, God, here's what I need today, or, God, or I hope they play my song today, or I hope that you know I feel your presence today, God, because this is what I need or I just really love worship, right? You know, I've had a lot of people come to me over the years and especially being a worship leader and they're like, oh Joe, I love worship. I live to worship until it's a song they don't like. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it like this. And it's like, and it's like, you know, and that's kind of like coming to God and saying, God, I want to please you, but only when it's good for me. And I'm just like you. I bring selfish motives into my earthly relationships and sometimes I bring selfish motives into my relationship with God. And so asking this question, what pleases God turns everything on its head. And we want to take that second view, that selfless view that says, God, I want to know how to love you better. I want to know how. Now, how many of you know that simple friends are the best friends? Simple friends are the best friends, friends that don't make life so complicated, friends that you cannot talk to for years and then you call them and it's like you just pick up where you left off and they're not saying, why haven't you called me? I don't even know you. You don't even text me anymore. You know, those kind of friends are it it kind of puts a little weight on the relationship, right? Man, simple friends that assume the best about you, that just come with an open and pure heart. Friends that forgive quickly. Friends that have short accounts. Friends that are soft-hearted, but have thick skin at the same time. Maybe I'm just saying what I like, but man, that's, those are great friends in my book. Friends that say, save the drama for your mama, right? Simple friends that reduce complexity and raise intimacy. Those are the kind of friends that mean most to me. Simple is best. But sometimes, because of our human, sinful nature, we love drama. We love it. Why do you think dumb shows like The Bachelor are so popular? Because people are like, ooh, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Right? Because we love drama. Stupid drama. We love complexity. We love taking simple things and making them painful right? We let our lack of healing poison and bring complexity relationship. We let our need for approval make pleasing others and pleasing God like a a competition. We let our pride and our jealousy drive us to do things for piety's sake instead of love's sake. And I don't know about you, but the complexity and drama, whether it be in interpersonal relationships or when, and when it comes to our relationship with God, it's like a shop vac on my neck and it's sucking all the life out of me. Can I get an amen? When I lived in Bulgaria, um, when I got there, it was like everything was different. Food was different, everything. But there was this salad and it's kind of like the most important, most popular salad. If you go to Bulgaria, they would say you have to try a Shopska Salata, right? And it's the Shopska Salad and it is the most simple, but the best salad I've ever had in my life. But you know what the first thing I did when I saw it? I snubbed my nose, I'm like, what? That doesn't look good. Because all that was in it was tomatoes, cucumbers, and their version of feta cheese. It's not called feta there, it's called something else, but you kind of get the drift. And it has a very specific flavor. And so for the longest time, I was like, first of all, I don't like tomatoes. Second of all, it's like, aren't aren't, aren't salads supposed to have lettuce? And aren't they supposed to have bacon bits and croutons and, and all this other kind of cool stuff on them and, and be a lot more complex and more, more, you know, just complicated? Aren't they? Until the first time I tasted it. And overnight, number one, I like tomatoes because Bulgarian tomatoes are different than any other tomatoes in the world. They, you actually taste them. They're, they're amazing. Amazing. I'd never liked them in my life until I tasted those. And then there's just the simplicity of the salad. And now that I don't live there anymore, guess what? I crave it. I crave the simplicity of that dish. Before I thought, oh no, I need complexity. After I ate it, I was like, simple is so much better. Amazing, how many of you are ready for lunch? Come on now. But with the fresh and the right ingredients, The simplicity just put it over the top. And so I came to understand that simple is better. And I think, man, this is a concept that we have to embrace before we start asking ourselves the question what pleases God? And so I'm so thankful today that God has made it very clear, He's made it very simple, He's made it very understandable. Guess what? You have the relationship with God that you want. We unpacked this this last week. The veil was torn. God's presence is accessible for everybody. So come and get it. It's that simple. You've got the relationship with God that you want. And secondly, you have as much of the will of God fleshing out in your life as you want. Why? Because his commands are so incredibly clear when you just take time to read his word. And so let's answer these questions. What pleases him? And forgive me this morning if this seems a little basic or simple, but it is. But it's the best ingredients that you will ever apply to your Christian life. And so number one, what pleases him? It's impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6. Guess what it says? And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Who sincerely seek him. And so I've got to have faith, I've got to trust. I'm not having faith in faith. This isn't something I'm conjuring up. It's a simple trust in him. It's me really believing in the depths of my soul that God will do what he said he will do and that he can do what he says he can do. That he is who he is and he's real. Put yourself in God's shoes for a moment. Can you imagine? doing everything that God has done, creating the world, doing all these miracles, interacting with man, sending his one and only son Jesus to die on a cross. Jesus is raised from the dead and all these amazing things and signs and wonders that God has shown giving us his word that the story is, is unbroken from beginning to end, right? Bible was written over what 1500 years, 40 some authors. It's amazing. It's amazing. So God does all of this. Now put yourself in his shoes. That after everything he's done, we come sometimes and we deny his very existence and we're the ones he created. When you look at it from that point of view, it kind of makes sense why the first step to pleasing God is, hey, I've got to have faith. I've got to have faith. When I don't understand, I've got to have faith. When I just don't get it, I've got to have faith. You know, it's like walking into a room and ignoring someone's presence. Have you ever been that person? Maybe you've gone to a party, maybe you've gone to a church, maybe you've gone somewhere, maybe you've gone to, God forbid, an emergency room. And you walk in and you're like, I need help, I'm broken, I'm bleeding, it's obvious. And it's like no one sees you. No one acknowledges your presence. No one knows you're there. We probably all know what it's like to feel ignored. Well, God is just saying, hey, I'm right here. I love you. I really am who I say I am. I'm really powerful. I really want to bless you. I really want to pour out you know, uh, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all these good things into your life. But the first step is you've got to have faith you got to have faith. I could just see God, you know, especially when we're so full of doubt. He's just, he's just patiently waving his arms and he's like, hey, I'm here. Just have faith. And I fully admit sometimes it's a journey. I've walked uh, with um, quite a few atheists over the years from, from that place of complete unbelief to a place of belief. And you know what the, the turning point was? When they said, you know what? I'm just gonna give God a try and I'm gonna believe even though I don't understand. That's the turning point. Why? Because it's impossible to please God without faith. And so if that's you, if you're on a journey, don't stop. You keep going, you keep sincerely searching and you will find what you're looking for when you just come to God with a simple and childlike faith. The second thing that pleases God is an all-encompassing love all-encompassing love for him. In Matthew 22, the teachers of the religious law came and they tried to trap Jesus in the complexity of the law. We've already talked a lot about simple simple things and complex things today, right? And so they come and they're trying to trap Jesus and and get him all bound up in the law. And so they come and they say, hey, what's the most important commandment? And what does Jesus say? He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself, the entire law, and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He basically shut him down because he was right. In, an, in, in, in the original um, you know place that this was mentioned, Deuteronomy, it, it includes all your strength. So all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Everything. I don't know about you, but it doesn't mean it's easy, but that sounds simple. And you know the simplest word in that verse? All. All of it. That I'm not serving him out of a duty of Uh, or out of duty or out of ritual. No, I'm serving him out of love. The basis of love is not religiosity. It's this attitude that says, God, nothing in my life is off limits. Every area of my life belongs to you. And so how do we love God with all of our heart? It's with what we're passionate about, right? And when Jesus makes you a new creation, your tastes change. And your heart begins to beat for what God's heart beats for. And you start to have different cravings that you didn't have before. You know, a, a way to see that, hey, am I loving God with all my heart? Ask yourself the question, what pours out of me when I get poked? What What kind of comes out when the heat gets turned up a little bit in my life? I've, I love what Batterson says. He says, it's much easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like one. Anyone can put on an act, but your reactions reveal what's really in your heart. And if you love God with all of your heart, you won't just act like it, you'll react like it. I don't know about you, but that is convicting to me because I don't always react properly. And so God, I don't just wanna love you with what I say. I wanna love you with how I react. And so help me to be patient, slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen. Help me. When was the last time you let the love of God burst through you to meet a need? That's another way that we love God with all of our hearts. It's like, oh man, I see a need and I meet a need. How do we love God with all of our soul? When you're at peace because you understand who God is in relationship to who you are and you understand your place in the world and in in this relationship, like, Uh, He's God and I am not. Only when you get there can your soul be at peace. This is where you are your truest self. You're not trying to be somebody that you're not. You're not living for anyone else's approval. You're just God's. You're most content in the presence of God. That is how you love God with all your soul. What about your mind? How do you love God with all your mind? First of all, you just admit, I don't know it all. Can we all just do that together today? Let's just all say together. I don't know it all, right? I love what Maxwell says. When you're through learning, you're through leading. And it's the same. When you're through learning, you're through loving God with all of your mind. Because we, it doesn't matter how much we know, it's a fraction compared to his knowledge and his wisdom. And so we can never stop learning And so I want to continually let let God stretch my mind. I want to hear his voice every day because I have not arrived. God doesn't fit within my capacity to understand. And so I'm going to love the wonder and the awe of everything that he is by never stopping to learn and expand my mind that he's given me. How am I going to love God with all my strength? By using my God-given energy and strength for kingdom causes. By by taking care of my health, by being a good steward of my health. Why? So that I I can have energy to do what God has called me to do. Because if I don't take care of this shell of a body that God's spirit resides in, then I'm going to feel lethargic and lazy and like a slug. And I'm not going to want to get up and do what God has asked me to do. Have you been there? I know I have yesterday. Right? And so I'm going to love God with all my strength. And then the last part of the commandment, the second commandment, love others. The answer to that one is easy. Why? Jesus created and died for every single one. He died for all. That's reason enough. He loves them, so should I. Even the extra grace required people that you just can't stand. It's not an option. Forgive as he's forgiven you. If you go on the front page of our website, mosaiccincinnati.com, you'll see something flash up right away that says, love God, love people, and lead the way. And this message is that. And so we've talked about loving God, we've talked about loving people, and now we're gonna talk about leading the way. Number three, how do I please God? By boldly sharing Christ's message with your life. This is how you lead the way. By boldly sharing Christ's message with your life. Listen, we are naturally drawn to the enormity of Jesus' sacrifice for us, but sharing in his sufferings makes us think twice. You know, communion is amazing because it's like, God, you did that for me? What? I can't believe that. It still blows my mind. And so that's pretty easy. That's that's an easy mental jump. God sacrificed his own son, died in my place. That's awesome. I can receive that. But then as Christians, it's like, oh, you want me to do what? You want me to share? You want me to live it out? You want me to share in your sufferings, Jesus? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know about that. And so in John 14, 15, though, Jesus says it really clear. And remember, the question today is, how do we please God? And he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Pretty simple. That's not complex. And then in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we make such a big deal of baptisms here at Mosaic. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the most clear um, a statement of our purpose as there is in all of Scripture. Go, that's our job. And then in 1 Peter three fifteen, he says, instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Remember, this is the worship series and we're talking about how to please God. And so okay, I got, I'm gonna worship you, Christ, as Lord of my life. And then it says, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. I don't know about you, but these days, especially on Facebook, we get those, those typing muscles. You know, back in the day, it was like beer muscles, and now it's like thumb muscles on Facebook, and we're going to go all crazy on people. It's like we're going to go all Old Testament prophet on them, right? It takes a love that only God can give to speak grace and truth like Jesus did, and to do it in a gentle and respectful way. It's like being a servant, walking them through it gently with our story, with our experience, with our love, with the ways that he's affected and led our life. And then Matthew 5, 11, uh, through 12, Jesus, he's, he continues to just ratchet it up a little bit. And he says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Some of you are like, I didn't sign up for that. Keep listening. He says, be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Listen, if somebody's not griping about what you're doing or how you're leading or how you're standing up, then you're probably not doing it right. I know in my own leadership experience, if somebody's not mad, I'm probably not leading because I'll never make everybody happy. There's always gonna be someone that isn't happy. And it's the same way when you begin to stand up and share the message of Christ, there's probably gonna be somebody in your life that isn't very happy, because they're gonna look at you and be like, who are you to tell me? And hopefully you don't do it with that attitude. Hopefully you come gently and respectfully and, and lovingly. But even when you do your best, sometimes the people are like, who are you? Who are you? But Jesus says, when that happens, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Man. So I got to boldly share. This is how I lead with my life. This is how I lead the way. With my words, with my actions, with my body language, with my emails, with my Facebook and and social media posts, with all of it. If you love me, do what I command. Go, preach the gospel to all nations. Live out the Great Commission. Live it out. Yes, you might be persecuted. And I'm not a huge, like, um, I don't get all riled up about you know end time stuff. Some people, they're like, oh, end times. I'm like, Jesus is coming back. That's what I know. And so I'm gonna be ready. And I'm gonna keep listening and seeking him and you know, because I don't know the day or the time or the hour or anything like that. He's coming back and so let's just be ready, right? But but this whole thing, blessed are those who are persecuted, don't fall for the lie that it will never happen to you because church, I believe it's coming. It's coming more now than ever. And some of you have already experienced it. When you stand up for your faith, when you stand up for what's right, you're gonna be persecuted. But guess what? You're sharing in the sufferings of Christ, and Jesus says, be happy about it. Be very glad. You might say, Joe, I'm not ready for that. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm okay with just, you know, praising Jesus and and just experiencing his love, and I'm I'm not ready to go all persecution in my relationship with Christ. I'm not ready. What I would say to you is pray and seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Pray. Pray and say, God, I want everything you have for me. I want everything that you have for me. Ask God to fill you with his spirit. Listen, the disciples in the New Testament, they were pretty miserable cowards before they were filled with God's spirit. But when he filled them with his spirit, a boldness came out of them and a willingness to serve God like they never had before came out of them like it never had been before. So, Pray. Seek God. If you're not ready for all this serious stuff, just say, God, I'm not ready. Just be honest and say, God, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to put love in my heart for that person because I don't like that person. God, I'm going to need you to put your love in my heart and the words because I don't speak well. God, I'm going to need you to put the wisdom in me because I don't know enough of my Bible yet. God, I need you to help me. That's what it looks like to lean on the Spirit of God that when you're not good enough and when you don't have what it takes, you know that He does when you lean into Him, when you're led by the Spirit of God. And so guys, I said that God made it pretty simple. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Simple doesn't mean easy. And so the biggest question isn't what should I do? It's pretty clear in God's Word. I need to have faith. I need to live out the great commandment. I need to boldly share Christ's message with my life, right? So the biggest question isn't what you should do. The question for you today and the challenge is, are you doing it? Will you do it? Are you open to the possibility of doing it? I'll take that today. If wherever you are on your journey, if if you're an unbeliever, if you're a new believer, if you're a mature believer, hey, wherever you are, keep posturing yourself towards Christ in an openness to saying yes to him because that's what pleases God. Say, God, I'm going to trust you even though I can't see it, even though I don't know what you're doing, even though I don't understand all the answers to all my questions. And to trust you, God, I'm going to love you with all my heart. God, I know you want me to boldly share your, your message, but I don't know how. So Jesus, fill me with your spirit before I leave for work today. God, before I, I, I walk out of this, this room and, and love my kids today. God, before I go to school today. God, I need to be filled with your spirit because I don't know if I can face what I'm gonna face without you. Help me, I can't do it without you. This surrendered lifestyle, it's what pleases God. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I've been, I've been uh, putting it off for a long time or, or maybe today for the first time I realized what Jesus did on the cross for me, that he loved me so much that he laid down his life in my place so that I could be forgiven, so that I could leave my guilt and my shame and my past behind, and I could step into the new life that God has for me. If that's you today, and you know that you need to give your heart, your life to Jesus Christ, I just want you to boldly put your hand up and say, Joe, that's me. I need to accept Christ into my life today. Anyone? Anyone? I'll give you just a moment. Maybe you're wrestling with it. Maybe you're thinking, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to take the jump. Hey, that's why it's called faith. You're trusting Him. Even though you don't understand it all or, or maybe you're not even sure if you believe it all yet, but you're gonna say, hey, I believe. I'm gonna put, use faith. I'm gonna just trust you with a simple childlike faith, God. Anyone, I'm gonna give my heart and my life to Christ going to trust him. I'm going to, I'm going to have faith today. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you say, Joe, I've put my trust in God, but there's an area of my love for him that needs to step up a level. Maybe I'm I'm loving him with my heart, but I'm not loving him with my strength or or vice versa. There's, there's some area of my life where I can love Jesus better or, or I'm, I've got the love thing, I love God, but I'm having trouble sharing Christ's message with my life. I'm just scared. And, and you're not too big to admit it today. So any of those things, if, if you're like, hey, I, just, I need help in really surrendering my whole life to Christ and loving him with everything that I am. If that's you, my hand is up today. Just raise your hand and let's pray a closing prayer today. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for what you've done in our lives how you've given us access to your presence, God, how you've poured your love and your grace out on us over and over and over and over, how you've given us a second chance. Jesus, help us not to stay in this place of just taking. Help us step into this place where we're joining you and laying our lives down for others joining you, even, even if it means we're joining you in your sufferings. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaicscincinnati.com.